Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear the story of someone strong enough to bear it all. The Naked Podcaster is a representation of freeing yourself, giving you permission to be real in all your quirkiness, baggage, struggles to success, and tragedy to triumph. I'm so excited you're joining the journey. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. This is Jen Taylor, and today I have Mary Hodges on. Mary, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Jen? Thanks for having me. On. Oh, I'm really excited, but I want everybody to know that you are recording in your basement because of tornado siren. So tell me where you're, you are and what's going on. Just give me the fill me in on that. Sure. I'm actually currently in St. Louis, and we have April and May is like our tornado season. Um, so right before I was getting my stuff ready for the podcast, I heard the sirens go off, got one of those texts that said, get to your basement. <laughs> and while I don't really think a tornado is going to affect where I am physically, I just thought it would be, might as well go to the basement to record this <laughs> podcast. I just, um, I mean, like I'm excited because you're safe, but yeah, I get to record during a tornado warning. So yeah, it's kind of exciting, but that's yeah, crazy. I know. <laughs> Normal yeah, for you. Something you're used to when you live. Yeah when you live in the Midwest, so. See, well, for me, it's not normal, so I was like, you're recording during a tornado warning, okay. So if we hear, <laughs> if we hear anything, that's what's going on. So your business is called The Grind to Greatness, and it's the grind, it's thegrindtogreatness.com. Tell me what you do and about your business. Yeah, so I help women entrepreneurs overcome the stress that their business can create in their lives. And I teach them productivity in a way that's really energizing and fun. And I help them get hours back so they can ultimately focus on what's, what matters most, which is really not your business. It's your family, it's your health, and it's the, what I call part of your priority pillars. Family, relationships should come first, no matter what, and your health should come first. And then your business should come into that equation. So I give them that time back so they... I give them that time back so they can really spend the time doing those important things that at the end of their life, when they look back, they're going to be glad they did. We put it exactly opposite, correct? Most people. Yeah, we put it business, then relationships. You know, we take care of our family. We put everyone else first. And then we put ourselves and our health last. And ultimately, we've got it backwards. Yeah. No kidding. So that's an, an enormous task to come to come on but i i mean if you looked at me and you said what if i could give you an extra hour a day how many of us would be ecstatic about that oh absolutely just yeah an hour would do wonders an hour would help us work out and maybe take a break and make make some food that's not just something you throw in the microwave or something that you have to heat up just nourish our, our bodies meditate maybe spend time with our family there's a lot of things that we could do in an hour do you have people make a list of i know you made a list because i've seen your website of the priorities <coughs> excuse me um do you have every woman that you work with make that list of what the priorities really are yeah i help them think deeper about what those are specifically for them but ultimately and i don't want to tell people what their priorities should be obviously but i think if we are honest about where some priorities should fall in the conversation about, you know, what place should this priority come? It, it, we honestly have to take care of ourselves. If we're not healthy, then we can't take care of the people that we love, 
we can't put what we need to in our business. And I like to think of it as we want to pour from our overflow. So if we're taking care of ourselves, we're not pouring from an empty cup. We're showing up our best selves for the people and the things that matter most to us. So it just makes the most sense to think about your health and yourself in that way. And that's a struggle for a lot of women. Um, they think it's selfish, but I you know, have to try to educate them on why it's not selfish. And they're ultimately happy when they start to make those little changes anyways. Um, and for some people, you know, maybe relationships isn't in business could be different. Maybe if they don't have small children they're taking care of or they don't have a spouse. It just really depends on what their situation is like um, to where re relationships and business fall into place. But the thing I remind people is that just because something is a priority doesn't mean it me means that you have to give it more time. Your health, oh. you might only need to dedicate an hour a day to exercise. And if that's all you can do at the time, then that's all you can do. Or you may only need to carve out one night a week to go on a date with your partner or 30 minutes a day to just sit with your children and talk with them without your phones. And it's not that it doesn't have to be that much time to really add value to those relationships. You can spend more time on your business. I spend more time on my business than I do anything else other than sleeping probably. <laughs> um, so it doesn't mean that you have to dedicate more time to those things. It just means that you have to make sure you are carving out time to do those things. And maybe change how you're doing them. Right. Exactly. So let's go back in time. Um, what year were you born? Just to give everybody a... 1984. So I'm 34 years old. I'll okay. be 35 later this year. And tell me, did you grow up in St. Louis? I did. Okay. So tell me about that journey growing up because you didn't one day just wake up. Well, I don't know, maybe you did one day wake up and decide this is what I want to be when I grow up. But generally as kids, it goes a little differently. So let's, let's sure, visit your sure. journey. So I'm second oldest of six. My parents had six kids in 10 years. So we're all very close in age as well. Um, so if you can imagine the chaos, which I know you can because you're a mom of 18, um, <laughs> there was a lot of responsibility on my, my sister who's older than me and myself on our plate to help kind of help my parents take care of my siblings. And from a very young age, I don't know why, but I put, I self-inflicted an obligation on myself to make sure I was successful. And I didn't really know what that would look like because I wanted to take burden off my parents. I literally had this vision of just like giving them money. Um, I wanted to take burden off my parents and I wanted them to know that all their sacrifices weren't a waste. They weren't in vain. So I, you know, was somebody that always did well in school. I followed directions, um, got awards, was an athlete, scholar athlete, got scholarships. And the only thing I knew about success was, you know, I come from a blue collar family, working class family. The only thing I knew about success was, okay, I have to go to college and the things that, you know, doctor, lawyer, those, uh, those stereotypical professions that we see on TV. So when I went to college and I, I never really connected with something deeply, it was just kind of like, well, I guess since I don't know what I want to do, I can go to law school. So that would make my parents proud. That's what I told myself. That is the craziest thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just a little time in law school. That I'll, yeah, I'll so it was three years, thing. an additional yeah. three years. Um, 
And for me also, I, th- I think about this sometimes. For me, I think school, continuing my education was a, delay, a way to like delay having to get out there and like really be in the, re- in the real world. Um, and it's a, it's a great reason that nobody questions, right? Um, oh, you're getting your education. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I went to law school because I didn't really have a clear sense of what I wanted to do. And that just seemed, it seemed logical for me. So I went to law school in Miami and loved it. It was, it was amazing living in Miami. But the strange thing about that was living in Miami and living by the water kind of changed my outlook on life. And I no longer wanted to argue with people about silly things. And because I was opinionated when I was younger. So that's why law school was like, oh, you'd make a great lawyer. Um, living by the water was just like, made me question like, why would I want to argue with people when there's another way of living and so it it was funny how that happened because where I went to law school ultimately kind of changed my personality to where the law was no longer something that really made sense to me um so when I got out and I was a lawyer it was kind of solidified that yeah this isn't really what this isn't the life I want having to argue with people all day having to consistently look around and pick out problems it's like an occupational hazard I'm somebody that was typically a positive thinker and it's 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 challenging having to do that type of work it's exa- it's mentally exhausting having to consistently look for things that are wrong after going through all the school and I totally get I and I love that you said going to school kind of you wanted to go to school and get a good job and take care of everybody, but it kind of put it off just a little. It was a little yeah. buffer at the same time. Right. I mean, that's great. That's very insightful. But you get this degree in law, which, you know, I have no desire to take the bar exam and go through that college. That's, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, I'm pretty proud of you for that, honestly, just knowing that you've done it. And then to find out you don't really like it. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of struggle with that because there, well, there was a lot of guilt because I was the first person in my family that even graduated college and then went on to law school. And so I was that sibling that people looked to like, oh, she's going to be the successful one. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to do those things. And then this idea of I get to this place, I, I have this quote unquote, like prestigious career, which that can be argued <laughs> once you're in it and you realize that, okay, that looks better on TV than it actually does in real life. Um, I felt guilty for wanting something different because my parents didn't get an opportunity to like think about what their passion and purpose was. They didn't have a choice to really, I mean, maybe they did. But from where I sat, it didn't look like they had a choice to think about what their passion and purpose was. They had to put food on our table. And it was like, who was I, who am I to think that I should, I deserve to do something that brings me, that has meaning and that has purpose and passion behind it. When, when there were so many people that would kill to be in my position. And so I, I wrestled with a lot of guilt for that. I had to get over that eventually. Um, yeah, and it it was tough. Like I had people questioning me like, well, why would you not want to be a lawyer? Like it just didn't make sense to them. 
why I was like, I hate this. I, I want to do something else. Oh, I totally get why you didn't want to be a lawyer. I get it. Personality wise, it just was not what you wanted to do. It just sucks so much because you did go through the school. Was your family really proud of you? Because that would oh, feed that yeah. guilt. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, I'm proud of you that you went to school and became a lawyer. That's a great accomplishment. But if you don't like it, then that's a totally different animal. So I, I understand the guilt. And then what do you do with it? Except there are a lot of different fields of law. Well, right. That's what, that was my first, that was kind oh, of okay. the first pivot was, okay, I, I had a job in litigation. I did not like it. I, you know, the place I was working, there were a variety of reasons where I was like, I need to get out of this place. And I was applying for jobs everywhere, job searching, interviewing. Um, I knew I wanted to do more of like transactional law where I'm working with businesses or working, you know, with estate planning, something where it's not litigation, you're not always fighting with people. And I thought, well, maybe that, you know, maybe if I try something different, I will like it better. And I did. And out of desperation, I started my very first business. Um, and I started a law firm. I, I wasn't getting a job and the job market was just not all that fantastic. And I wasn't finding a job. So I said, okay, well, if I want to make a change in my life and I, if I no longer want to be in this position that I'm in now, then I have to do something different. So I started a law firm with absolutely zero clients, zero knowledge of business. And when I first started, I, there was an attorney I know that's, that had a business and I said, Hey, if you have any overflow of work that I can do for you and help you out while I'm building this, like, let me know. And so I started that way. And while I built my own clientele, um, I was able to do that and that was great. And so I started working with technology companies, startup companies. So for me, that was like the bet, like the best thing that I could do in the law. And I, and I had a great time in a lot of ways. I had a lot of amazing clients um, people that, like you said, out of some tragedy or some problem that they needed to solve in their own lives, they started the business with an idea to scale massively and be able to help millions of people. And so to be able to help people who are on that mission was awesome. I felt I was honored to do that. And I still am really close with some of my, some of the clients that I had during that time, but there still was this void there still was something missing. And, you know, even after doing that for four years, it was, it was just like, well, what is it? And it was just that search, you know, tried a couple of network marketing companies in the fitness industry and just, just went on the exploration of what is it that I really want to do? And How did that finally, even come up for you? I mean, I, I don't what? Just the, I'm not happy. So what will make me happy is, is it, do all of us, I think we all kind of have very similar journeys and something must trigger like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So maybe I can find something to supplement it or do something a little, is that kind of what it was like for you? Yeah. And well, and the biggest struggle is having so much to be grateful for and, but not feeling it all the time. Mm. And, and I talked about that guilt before and another and another thing was like, well, is it just my mindset? Is it just the way that I'm looking at it? Do I need to do a mindset, mindset shift and think differently about what it is that I'm doing? And I did that. I tried that. And it still was like, it doesn't light a fire in me. 
you know, there's just that feeling like of emptiness, really, like you're kind of just doing it to do it. And while you have a lot to be grateful for, there's just that thing, that spark that's missing. And I wanted to find that. And what I knew was the times in life when I had that was when I was like being a nerd and reading books about like neuroscience and productivity and um, the, just really the personal growth journey. And how can I, you know, create a journey for my own life, get in the driver's seat of my life is what I like to say, or the driver's seat of my life, and then create something meaningful that I enjoy. Um, and, and so that was kind of those questions. And it was like, what, what is it that I actually like here? What, what, do, what do I do that makes me happy? And those were some of the things. And it kind of incrementally started as uh, when I started the grind of greatness and initially it just incrementally started at this very broad personal growth like podcast and I realized I had to really narrow down what I was doing why I was doing it and who I was doing it for and ultimately it came you know it, it molded into what it is now were there a lot of aha moments because I think that list for a lot of us, we don't realize how many things we do get excited about and bring us joy. I mean, I had this massive list when I started and um, how whittling that down and really, was that hard for you? Not, not really per se, because some things you realize you like doing them, but you don't want to do them for a business. And you can still do those things that bring you joy more like in, in a way that's just like a hobby for me, fitness, I was, oh, I came out of the, I was born an athlete. So fitness was something that was always been a part of my life. And when I kind of pursued that by, you know, doing network marketing and thinking about getting my personal training certification, I just didn't feel, you know, I just didn't feel that spark that I felt when I was reading about the brain and how habits work and productivity. And I just didn't have the spark. You know, I liked my own fitness, basically. <laughs> and, and so I, I, what, I'm on your exact same journey on that one. Yeah, I, I, I liked I my the own same fitness. Thing. Yeah, I, I know. I, I think I would have gotten certified as a fitness trainer and really enjoyed it, but it would have been that same thing. Like, yeah, it's still it's good. I have nothing to complain about, but yeah. So, so you just kind of whittled down your list. And were there a lot of aha moments? I would say there's been aha moments in the development of, of what I'm doing now, because really what I'm doing now is like, I told you that I really enjoy, I was enjoying learning about productivity. I was enjoying really implementing this stuff in my own life. Um, but how it really developed into what I'm doing now is, was really another aha moment, which came because, before, you know, I recently left, retired from being a lawyer back in February. So before that, you know, I said I started my business. So I started a law firm as a solopreneur. Um, I did that for two years. Then I joined a, a group of lawyers. So I joined as a partner with a group of lawyers. And I did that for two years. And I thought, well, maybe being around other people and having like partners to work with is the answer. Um, and it wasn't. But last year in our law, in 2018, in our law firm was a crazy year. We had a lot of big deals for clients. For the first time in my life, I barely ever worked out. And that was, it was a really challenging year. 
while I was also trying to build this business in a way to make it viable enough to do it full time. So, you know, even though I liked doing personal growth as a way of figuring out how to build a business, it was the aha moment of like, I can't just teach personal growth so that entrepreneurs can build the business they want because I'm doing that right now and I don't have any time to work out. I am missing important things for people that matter to me. I'm sitting in front of my computer screen all day, working 80 hours a week. And I don't ever want to do that again. So that was the other aha of, okay, well, what is life? What is the purpose of all of this? What is really the purpose of this thing we call life? And why am I running myself into the ground for this stuff ultimately that doesn't really, I mean, it, it matters, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of it. And so that's really how I evolved thinking about what I wanted to do in my business. I mean, thinking about productivity in a way that's not just about getting more stuff done because I could be insanely productive in 80 hours, but is that really, is that really how you need to be looking at productivity? And it's, it's really more about less is more, um, figuring out what's most important to you and then using productivity in a way that can give you those hours back. So that you are actually enjoying your life. And I think that's what people, that's the part that people miss. Sure, you can get more done, but are you actually enjoying your life in the meantime? I wanna throw a couple things out there. One of them is, I know a lot of people who start their own business and they, one of the reasons that we do this is because it gives us an amount of freedom. Mm -hmm. And then we're working 80 hours a week and it, it ends up having the opposite effect. Um, so that's the first thing I want to throw out. Let's go. Let's start with that one. Is that often true in your experience? Or, yeah, I see that a lot. I see people leaving the nine to five and then going into really like the six to nine, <laughs> um, you know, and I, because I think, you know, we talk about entrepreneur, the way we talk about entrepreneurship is not very healthy. Um, and I talk about two formulas for success that were sold as kids that don't really do much for us. Um, and that first formula is the formula most of us subscribe to because we don't know any better. And it's go to school, get good grades, go to college, do the same thing that, so you can get a good job, make money, retire and be happy, which happiness comes at the very end of all those things. And it's just that formula that most, most people in our country are following something like that. Um, and there's nothing, not, there's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. But for a lot of people, that funnels them into professions that's just about making money um, so that they can build up something so then one day they can think about doing the things in life that they want to do instead of really focusing on doing some of those things now. So that's formula number one. So entrepreneurs who may have started out with that realize like, this isn't really the type of life I want. And they leave that formula and they go into another formula that says, you know, if you want to build a legacy for your family, you have to basically not even see your family. You have to run yourself into the ground. You have to work 15 hour days. You have to not get sleep and brag about it on social media. You have to, you know, burn the midnight oil. And so, or you have to earn your stripes. 
And so I think what people earning your stripes means you have to literally suffer before you can be worthy of success. And I, the way we talk about entrepreneurship just leaves people exhausted. It leaves them burnt out. And they sacrifice so much of that, so much of those important things, their health and, the, and their relationships, that it leaves them questioning, like, why, like, why am I doing this? So those two formulas for a lot of people don't really give us a life that A, we take control of and B, that we actually enjoy. So I'm setting out personally to kind of redefine, especially for women, what entrepreneurship actually means and the, and the way we talk about it. I also think there's a matter, there, like you said, that social, you know, posted on social media, we're so invested in other people's social lives, which isn't the reality at all. Although I know when I post stuff, I'm pretty real, but it's still a snippet. It's still not the whole picture. And, Absolutely. and we're looking at their sizzle reel and comparing it to our bad night of sleep. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those is an, an accurate depiction of what life is all of the time. And so there's a lot of keeping up with, you know. Absolutely, yeah. That's so sad to me. I agree. And I think that also creates just so the comparison, like, oh, they're doing this. Like you said, you, we compare someone's best moment to our weakest. And it, that's not really fair, number one. And it's also apples to oranges. We're all different. We all have our own journeys. And there are countless examples of people who didn't come into their own or what they wanted to do until much later in their lives. And we put a timestamp on everything like we have to do these things by this time and you know that's a dangerous place to live you know I think we all have to understand that it's important to define what that is for ourselves and get rid of some of those timelines and the expectations of other people I just went to my daughter's graduation from college and they're you know they were putting stats on the board before it started and there were 3,200 people graduating and the youngest was 18 and the oldest was 81 Oh, wow. That's awesome. So maybe cut ourselves some slack a little. You know, I was like, what? And the numbers were backwards too. So I geeked out on yeah. that. That's cool. That totally yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's, she, that's huge. There's no box. There's no box that we have to try to fit into. I want to ask you about self-care and I want to give an example. I worked for a company. There were six women and we did this secret Santa thing. <laughs> my husband found my sheet. I still have it and I have it because I want to remember it. It's in my journal and he found it and he was like, have you ever been speed dating? <laughs> what? <laughs> so apparently for those of you who didn't know, like myself, they do the same thing for speed dating, but you have this, we, we each got this paper and it was like favorite colors, the colors in your living room, the colors in your bedroom. If somebody brought you something to drink, what would your favorite thing be? Cause we were spending like the under $20 thing and doing little stuff and being a secret Santa for each other. So we picked names out of the hat. And I had to take my list home and think about it. This was like 13 years ago. And I went, I am never going to have to take time to think about this list because that means I somehow in the day-to-day -day life let go of something in myself. I'm not doing what I need to take care of myself. If I can't say, oh, you know what? If you're going there, I want can you pick up this drink. Or my favorite thing is dark chocolate butter sport with hazelnuts. I should be able to just tell you if you, if you, if I was like, Mary, tell me something I can pick up for you 
um, stopping at the store on your way to your house. You should be able to tell me and have no guilt that someone's getting it for you. Right. So right. how love, much does that, that. Play? oh, I, I'm keeping that. And man, you, you just need to remember that if you have to take time to think about what you like, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not doing things for yourself. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, when you mentioned just like you like some kind of dark chocolate, it's just even like when you're doing things, it's being present in the moment of enjoying how that chocolate actually tastes to know that you love it so much. And we don't do that at all because we either have our phone in our hands where we, we try to multitask, which I absolutely hate. <laughs> I don't think it exists, but that's okay. It, it actually scientifically doesn't because our right. brain can only focus on one. Like, our brain can task switch, but yes. it cannot multitask. I think some um, of us are better at task switching than others, and that's it. But we single And, and it only is really in in certain things. Like if I'm folding laundry, I can listen to a podcast. I can multitask doing things like that. But when it comes to multitasking in my relationship, do I want to sit here with my phone in my hand while I'm at dinner with my partner and while he's t trying to talk to me about something and halfway listen to him? You know what I mean? So there's times that multitasking I think is okay. And other times it's just not. Uh, in your business, like focusing on just that one project until it's done, like we, you know, giving what you have to that thing. Um, but I really do like that you said, if you can't even think about those things, then you're, you're giving a piece away to yourself. And um, one thing I notice about women too, and I certainly did this myself, is, you know, we get all these messages about what it means to be worthy of, as a woman and a lot of that stems from you know whether you have children whether you're married and we, you know we all know how we have to discover that that's a lie at some point in our lives um especially if we didn't have an older a woman there to tell us it was a lie we have to kind of come into that discovery on our own and what a lot of women then do then is somehow kind of intertwine their identity into their business and I, I was definitely guilty of that because I wanted to be like, I am so much more than kids in marriage, right? I don't have, um, I haven't birthed any children, but I have two stepchildren and I've been in a long relationship, but you know, taking that stance of this doesn't define me. I'm so much more than that. But then ultimately what I did was just wrap myself, wrap my identity into my business to where it was like, oh, my business is my, also my hobby. And spending so much time just on the social media talking about business, like everything really being about business. And it's important to have something outside of that also. Um, I've seen women do that all the time. And, and it's easy to do these days because of the way that a lot of our businesses, our brand and our personality and our person is so much a part of what that business is about that it's very easy to get wrapped up in it and it to be consume so much of your identity. But we have to be careful that we don't allow that to happen and that we have something outside of our business also. I want to ask you a question kind of along those lines. I think I see that people treat their business as a hobby, especially women who are trying to be entrepreneurs. Like for some reason it's less than instead of treating it like a business. But then 
whatever we're doing for work to make money, that business, we don't have the hobbies outside. So I think we're misaligning or defining what different things are. Can we talk about that right. a little bit? Yeah, I've seen women do both. Like for me, my business was my business and my hobby. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and I have seen other women because of, you know, we put our prices really low when we start or we, we don't really value our work. We don't have value in our work the way that we should or the confidence. And so, yes, like I think it's treating their business like their hobby in a way like, oh, this is just something I'm doing on the side. Um, you know what I mean? And not looking at it in a more serious way or being very casual about it, which if that's what your ultimate real goal is, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I have a, I have a friend that makes really darling hair bows for, for girls. And I don't know how the heck she makes so many, <laughs> so many of them, but she's really good at it. But for a long time for her, that was just like, Oh, it's just kind of a hobby. And then now it's, you know, now it's like, Hey, like, you actually are doing something really good here. Why don't you, th you know, and it's like, sometimes we, they don't have anyone around them to say, Hey, like you, you can make this more and you, you've got what it takes to make it more. And especially if you don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, you didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I didn't come from a family, family of entrepreneurs. And a lot of times there's nobody in our immediate circle to really kind of guide us or cheer us on or tell us like, Hey, this can be more than a hobby and you have what it takes to do that. And so she, I'm glad she's took it up several notches. That's good because you're right. It's not a big deal if it is a hobby, but if, but if we want it to be our business and we treat it like a hobby, there's definitely a disconnect. There. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with just possibly fear, um, self doubt. I mean, fear and self doubt keep us from doing everything and, ultimately we'll have some kind of surface level excuse for why we're kind of, you know, treating it like a hobby when we really want it to be a business. And a lot of that has to do with just lack of confidence or afraid to put ourselves out there. Imposter syndrome. I've suffered from those things big time. It's like, you know, why would people want to listen to me kind of thing? Um, and so there's a lot of reasons I think that people especially women tell themselves over and over of yeah I say I want this but my actions aren't aligning with that and it's probably due to some type of fear or self-doubt so if that's where someone is in their journey they should maybe explore what some of those things could possibly be so that they can kind of recreate what their story is whatever that fear and self-doubt they're telling themselves there's a more empowering story that you can create um, that will take you to that place of actually treating it like a business and then you get to have other things that are actually hobbies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that too. Exactly. So what, when, when a woman contacts you, what do you take them through? Is there a process that you take them through to help with this? Yeah, I have a couple of different, I have a couple of different things that I do. Um, so it really just depends on what her needs, what, what her needs are. I have coaching programs so I could work really closely with somebody, um, and that's very extensive. It basically takes them through understanding like what they're like, where are things kind of off track for them to begin with, what their real vision and purpose is and where, what their priorities are and where that's out of alignment. Um, Cause bef before you can talk about productivity, you have to know what those things are. Those are just foundational pieces of 
anyone's journey is understanding what you actually want out of your life. Because like I said, you can be very productive. You can be very productive and disciplined, but if you're doing all the wrong things or if the things that you're doing don't actually have some direction they're taking you, then that doesn't matter if you're just going to be on a hamster wheel. So I take them through those things and then we, you know, we go through how to increase their productivity skills, how to get some hours back into their day. Think about also like, how do they actually operate? What's an efficient way for them to think about their work day? When are they most energized? That's a, I don't, that's a question that a lot of people don't like that they don't even think about. It's like when, even when we do a business, we still try to work regular business hours. And it's like, you have the free, you have the more flexibility to design your schedule and the way you work a little bit differently, depending on what your business is. So take advantage of that and let's kind of structure some, some framework that really fits your personality. Cause some people I know, I call it the witching hour. They like work at 2am in the morning and they literally, that's when they get stuff done. It's like, just make sure you get sleep seven to eight hours and doesn't really matter when you work if you're taking care of your body. Um, but everyone's different. You know, I'm a morning person. I, I feel very energized and focused in the morning. Um, at 2 p.m., I'm a little tired, so I have to take a break or eat some nourishing food that energizes me. So it's just knowing your body, kind of knowing how you work and structuring stuff around that and then kind of just creating a plan that kind of keeps them moving in the right direction. So yes, that's one-on-one -on -one coaching. Then I also have that entire framework in a workbook with all the exercises that I would do for a coaching client, uh, for people that like to be more self-led. And then in that case, you know, if they ever wanted to like have a strategy session to work through one issue in the workbook that maybe they're having a hard time on, I have that type of stuff available too. And so then I'm going to be thinking about doing more comprehensive online courses once, you know, once I see what people really need and maybe fill in some gaps. So that's, that's where I'm at right now is doing the coaching, having the workbook for people that are more self-led, and then also a monthly membership group that's taking people that are in the workbook or in the coaching and doing like goal setting accountability and having, building the social community. Is it hard for people to figure out their purpose? Well, I, I, for some people, yes. And so part of what I talk about is not necessarily always having, putting this pressure on yourself to find your purpose, but really showing up with purpose. Um, it's more about showing up with purpose and intention of whatever it is you're doing at the time. So when I was doing fitness and exploring, showing up with purpose to get those things done and have some reason behind why I was doing it. And even though ultimately I discovered that that really wasn't my purpose, I still had a mindset about how I showed up and did that work. That's really important. I, and yeah. I know a lot of people, I, you can have a business that's starting out as a hobby that you want to be your business and still have to work a job. Yes. I mean, you know, I, there are stories for a while. I felt inundated by stories. You know, this guy who's a coach, who's, who's 28 and he's like, and I had to live on my buddy's couch. And I'm like, yeah, well, you were 23 at the time. You have no partner. You have no kids. You have no responsibility. So dude, that's totally cool that that's your story. But for those of us who are a little older, maybe have a partner, have some responsibilities or have kids, 
Like I can't go sleep on someone's couch while I build my business, you know? So there are a lot of us that we just need to be people. I think, and women, geez, I mean, it, we put so much more pressure on ourselves, I think, mm -hmm. to just know that you can, you can build slowly. This can look different for each one of them. Oh, and that's why I love that you work with the productivity. Okay. You can figure out your why and know that that box looks different. You're not in a box. It's just different for all of us. But then the productivity is what you work with the how, and then what the steps are. And that's exactly, that's really huge. Yeah. And for someone, their big goal might be like at one point, you know, my law firm was funding my ability to be able to do this business. So whenever I felt very frustrated in having to do legal work, the story I had to remind myself was this is really the blessing that's allowing me, that's, that's setting the foundation for me to do ultimately what brings me so much joy. And so for people out there, your job may be, may be that thing for you that's allowing you the financial security or the safety net to then be able, and the reason that's important, there's a book called Quitter. And sometimes when you quit too soon, that puts you in a, that gives you, that puts you in a place where you're pressured to say yes to things that may not be aligned with really what you want because you're so focused on just bringing in money. And so sometimes people quit too soon when think about your business in a way of literally who do you want to serve and what their personality is, what they, you know, what their values are. Um, you should want to serve people that value your services also and want to pay you what you're worth, things like that. So that way, when you are building your business and you have this job over here that is giving you that safety net, you don't have to be rushed to saying yes to things that you're really not aligned with. Um, so that's, that's really important, I think, for people to remember. Is something really difficult for people getting back on the health journey? And, be, and I'm saying back on because I think most people aren't, on, they aren't taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. I, that's very difficult. And for me, my solution was getting a Peloton bike, which I know is not a, a viable solution for a lot of people. I literally put a bike in my office because I wanted to take the amount of steps down for me to get because getting to the gym just was like I was making excuses about getting to the gym so I eliminated those excuses um, but for some people yeah that's an extremely it's an extremely challenging area that but the, the thing about your health is that when you start actually taking care of yourself that's one of the most important things you can do to build your confidence that will then spread into every area of your life um, and for me, if some people may require actually going to get a personal trainer or getting more accountability for stuff like that. And so it just really depends on the purpose on the person. Um, but I see that as definitely a challenge for some people. So the biggest thing I, I see people do where they fall into the most traps when they're trying to make these changes is they just try to do a 180. So all of a sudden they try to I say like we try to turn into this like Zen badass entrepreneur that does yoga and can be very flexible and stuff like that. And you know, all of those this things week, take, this week, right, right now, right. Yeah. We want to just all of a sudden be that. And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, what's one thing that you can start doing now? Um, what is it? James Clear? He wrote this book, Atomic Habits. He calls it mastering the art of showing up. So it's just like showing up to the gym 
even if you're just there for 15 minutes, but it's like get creating the habit to just show up first before you start piling up on all this other stuff. Um, and that's how we have to look at habits that way of like, instead of trying to change 10 things at once, what's one thing that we can focus on you doing now? Okay. And then once you get used to doing that, then can we introduce another thing? I think that's so true. And we all, I, I think most of us are guilty of that. You know, I looked at it differently because the job market was so scarce in Reno a few years ago. And I thought, so we sat down and decided what could we get rid of? Like how often are we on cable? Almost never. There was one show that the kids, it was gone, you know, and I got rid of the gym membership and I thought, well, how am I going to replace that time that I spend there? Because the gym was important, but I didn't need to be in the building to make it work. And so, I mean, you can sometimes come at it from the opposite. For me, I looked at every single thing I could tear back in my life, financially, emotionally, in, in every single way. And that allowed the freedom to be able to do more also. So it's so interesting. We try to like add all these things. I'm going to be the Zen master. I know I love meditation and I know I will do it if it's guided. And if I set an alarm to remind myself or I'll be like, oh, it's been um, three months now. So, you know, you also have to be really realistic with yourself and who you are. Just like being a night person or a morning person. Like I'm not the meditation Zen king. I'm not, that's never going to happen. I've struggled with journaling. That's been the one thing that I have not, you know, everyone says it's so important to do, put it in your morning routine. And I'm not that, I just haven't really been great at picking that up. Um, And so I think we need to be nicer to ourselves when we hear all these ideas about what you're supposed to do to be successful. And there's no one way. You don't have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to be successful. Like everyone says you have to do. You just, you know what I mean? And so I think it's just accepting that, Hey, I, I sleep is, to me is more important than what time you wake up. How much sleep you get is, will always be more important because that's really just a health. That's really, there's so much science that supports sleep. And I want to go back to what you said about like kind of taking out things from your life. And I did notice you were a minimalist, which yes. made me happy because yeah. I, in my life, try to do that. Um, been doing it, you know, consistently for, I've moved so much. And every time I move, I just purge and I, I continue to own less and less. And um, that le- the idea of less being more is something so central to what I talk about in all areas because we overload ourselves on goal setting. Like when, even when we set our business goals, I remember the first time I set goals, I think I had like 10 goals for the year that I set and maybe they, they, I staggered them. So they didn't all come at once, but it was like, like I said, it was just trying to be this like perfect picture of what this female badass entrepreneur looked like. And ultimately I probably didn't even hit near like half of those goals and so it's like what is just what if I could accomplish one thing this year for my business what would it be and that's what I you know one maybe two goals for my business every year that's what I do too yeah and and so I think we just this idea of more is just so ingrained in everything we do and it's so overwhelming and it's so heavy it's so heavy the weight of that is so heavy in your goals and 
yeah, I mean, I, it's not, not that everybody has to live out of a backpack and travel to, you know, Europe. You don't have to, even minimalism, it's still everything in your life looks different for you and me and the next person. But it's finding that balance and that happy place where you feel lighter in your life. And um, I just knew that if we got rid of things, that I, it would open up the opportunity for me to run a business the way I wanted to. And that's not the mentality most people think. But I remember when we were talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just a cable bill. I mean, it's so much bigger than that. And it absolutely 150% did. It allowed us the ability to do things differently that made us happier. And right. it was just because we let go of so much. And like, and it is, it's goals. Goals are important. I don't journal either. I switched my journaling because I felt guilty all the time. And why, why the hell am I doing that to myself? So I instead started to listen. It started out in a notebook and now it's on notes. Because if you have Apple products, they all sync. So I use the notepad on my phone and it's on my laptop. But I used the little, the little 50 cent notepad. And I wrote down things. I just did a video about this that I haven't edited for YouTube, but I wrote down things that um, happen, not like everyday normal things, but like you get stitches in your finger, you went on a trip to see somebody, you start a new job, you have a really interesting client, you know, um, you got a new dog, like they're not huge things, but they're not average things. And they're I just write a list. Things. They're yeah. not routine, right? I just would write a list. And I've done this for the last few years and it's like the funnest thing because it's not journaling every day where I feel accountable. But I'm writing down things that are momentous because we are really hard on ourselves and we don't realize how far we've come unless we take a look back. So on, on Facebook, when that memory pops up and it's like, Jen and Mary, you've been friends for three years or something. I remember this race last year or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my gosh. And it takes you right back. Mm -hmm. So keeping that list and then every year, there's no New Year's resolutions. There's, there's no heavy goals. But there is a revisiting of what happened in the year. And you notice that even in the things like stitches in my finger wasn't fun last year. But there were really cool things that happened because of that experience. Mm -hmm. Two of my girls went and they parented me. You know, I mean, so it's interesting the things that come out of seemingly negative situations. And we just don't give ourselves credit. So I switched journaling to that. And it's so easy because... Like great things don't happen. Unusual things don't happen every day, you know, a few a month maybe. But yeah, yeah I love revisiting that stuff because we are just too hard on ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. I didn't even, what, my first two years of business, I didn't look back once. I put this pressure of just climbing, climbing, climbing. And then on the second anniversary of my business, I was like, you know what? Let me count how many people, this was like for the law firm. I had worked with over a hundred clients in 11 countries in like 20 something states. And it was just like, I can't believe I never stopped to even just say, I like, cause from where I started, if you knew where I started and how much I did not know about any of this. And in two years time, being able to say that and just, it was a it was a rude awakening for me of like holy cow you are way too hard on yourself yeah you are way too hard on yourself and that's a great i i like that idea of just kind of recording some of those moments and even mile you know even the bigger milestones because a lot does happen in a year 
Oh my and gosh. when we look back and just say, oh, wow, yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, that did happen. Oh my God, like I forgot about that. And I'm kind of, as somebody who teaches productivity, this is probably blasphemy, but I'm kind of over, not over goals all the way, but just I'm over the pressure that they put on us. I think and they're I'm over, awesome in the right way. Yes. So it's very important for me when I talk to people about goals, like, are you even in the right place to have goals at this moment in time? Is that really the way you need to be looking at like what the changes in your life are going to be? Or maybe things are going well for you and you just don't really like, you could just keep things going the way they are. And so, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> right. Um, and so, because I think they, a lot of times the way we do goals does more damage than good. And so as long as I think they're th you're thinking about it in a healthy way, and like if you think about the goal that you set, does that, is that goal going to require you to literally run yourself into the ground to achieve it? Because they say like set big goals for your business. And we try to go after, we try to go after it all. and a lot of times it's like, okay, when you think about what you, what it will be required of you, the work that's going to be required of you put in to reach this goal. I'm not saying that you shouldn't stretch yourself or you shouldn't challenge yourself. You should, you should do those things. Absolutely. But will reaching this goal literally require you to lose sleep to it just run yourself into exhaustion. If it's so, why the heck is that your goal? <laughs> no kidding. And I think there's so much in, we put so much pressure on this destination. I don't think the destination exists. I think it's evolving, but the journey is there. So how do people feel when they get back more time? Oh, they feel, they feel great because they were wanting more time to begin with. And they didn't really, they didn't really realize that they could actually get the things they needed to get done in last time because a lot of our time is filled we fill our time with busy work and you know when like when you can actually focus on just living in alignment with who you want to be what you what are those important things to do for your business and like less is more getting it's just getting rid of all that other stuff then you realize you have so much more time to do the things that matter and we should try to have guilt-free businesses. Wouldn't Let's end awesome? there. That would be awesome. <laughs> For your guilt-free business, all of the links are in the show notes and you can contact Mary. And thank you so much. What a fun time that I had with you. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off.